And Frothy's review time around 15 2022. Daggy Barney and Ollie with you. To look back on all the happenings of the last seven days. Barney boy, looking spryly down there. How are you traveling? Um, I'm old, I'm tired, I'm grumpy, and everything hurts, mate. So <laughs> I've turned 40 and it's just everything's just gone shit. Wow. No, no, I'm good, mate. Had a good weekend hanging around you blokes and a few other of our mates. So yeah, had an enjoyable weekend for the for the birthday. Going well. That's good. We'll try and make 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 sure you enjoy your uh, your autumn years there, Barn. Um, yeah, good, good. <laughs> Oliver. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I missed out on most of the birthday festivities on the Saturday, so I'm glad I caught up with you on your birthday on the Thursday, Barn. But um, yeah, being fairly crook, being plowing through though, and just about on the other side now. Good to hear. Good to hear, Ollie. Uh, let's get into some news. Uh, yeah, not a lot to happen yet. Oh, still alive. Heart's still <laughs> good, beating. Good, good. It's got the tick of approval today, which is nice. And uh, yeah, still here. Yeah, kids, work, all that sort of good stuff. Nice. So luckily there's a bit of football in between and a few beers over the weekend to make me forget about that. So anyway, still three teams with no coaches last I heard. No full-time ones, no. No, well, that's right. Uh, so we'll see how that continues to play out. We'll monitor that situation closely, I'm sure. Signing news, uh, Momorosia has signed with Parramatta for two years to solve all their back row issues. Uh, Justin Olam's re-signed with uh, Melbourne to 2026. Targo's re-signed with Penrith to 2025. And Tristan Riley has joined the Tigers on a train and trial deal which might be the most publicised train and trial deal I've ever seen. But anyway, there's enough media about that. I haven't that. heard anything about him. <laughs> Your search engine's probably much better than mine, to be honest. Uh, anyway, uh, any thoughts on any of that sort of jazz? No, they all seem like pretty solid signings. Um, I'm not sure how much um, Mamacia brings to Parramatta's side. Um, obviously, they're going to be missing a few, so they need some sort of depth there, but I can't see him being a... Um, a starting breakthrough player in the next year or two, but um, he had some sort of depth. And yeah, I'm not. I don't think I've ever heard of the guy you're talking about for the no, Tigers. Came from, so. uh, came from rugby union. He's a Waratahs right, okay. development player or some such. Oh yeah, I think I saw something about that during the week. Yeah. Cool. Me too. Yeah, Tigers. All, all the rest. No, of them. That, no, 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 no. Just thinking out loud here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, injury news. Uh, James Schiller did a collarbone in the Canberra game. That's unfortunate yeah. of him. Be out for a bit, a few weeks. Absolutely. Ruben Cotter a hamstring. So what's that? Usually four weeks or so. Um, Murdoch Masilla eight weeks, and Alex Twal will sit the rest of the season out under concussion protocols, which is not ideal for him and not ideal for the Tigers, given he's you know a third of the actual first grade players in the team. That's a bit of a shame. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, big miss, big loss there for the Tigers. Anything else we yeah, want to discuss? Yeah, that's big for Twal. Hopefully um, there's no ongoing issues. Um, to be to be written off for the next 10 weeks is pretty um, is a pretty big impact, obviously. Um, I think he has had a couple previously. I think he but, got knocked um, out earlier in the year is the main major concern. Yeah, right. I was very surprised that he was um, ruled out for the rest of the year. But a lot of the times you do notice the ones on the back of the head seem to have more of an impact than the ones from on the front of the face or on the side of the head. So. Mm. Yeah, hopefully he's all right. He's been really good for him this year, and um, 
you're going to have to find someone to make 60 tackles every week. Well, it doesn't appear to be any too many in the team right now. So, <laughs> see what Cotter's a bit of a blow for Queensland, and, but he'll be back soon enough. And um, it's another one the Warriors can't really deal with. They can't take a trick at the moment with their big boys, the Warriors. They, um, they seem to lose um, lose one of their front rowers every every second week at the moment. I think Fanua and Blake just come back, which is something. But, yeah, it's a, another one of their better front rowers out of the door. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess the only other headline today, we might give this one a bit of a wide berth, but the International Rugby League has banned trans players from playing uh, women's and men's sport, or the sport, uh, or their sport of choice. I at suppose. the World Cup. At the World Cup, yeah. so I, I'm just going to leave that one alone. And I just want to have, <laughs> want to poke <laughs> any wokes. Uh, the only addition I'd make to that is that the um, I believe that the decision um, isn't just for the World Cup. It's period. so this weekend, for example, as well, um, comes into effect. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, right. obviously the swimming's done it just recently. I agree with it at the, the highest level. I don't know if there's got to be some sort of competition they can play in, but obviously it's not a professional one, really. But yeah. <laughs> governing body decides on that so yeah i believe i believe they'll try and institute an open division yeah and i'll move on so any other Absolutely. news that's about it any other news we got through it pretty quick um i'm not sure if you guys have seen but as of a couple of hours ago nothing major but brisbane have confirmed they're releasing Branko lee at the end of the year which was a bit of a surprise he signed a two-year deal but that also reminded me yeah, of okay. Have the Tigers confirmed that they're releasing Tyrone Peach? Uh, they've just... given him so, sorry, yeah, in terms of signing stuff. They basically told him where to go. <laughs> now, I believe his managers asked to explore options and they said, sure, go for it. Yeah. So I believe that would entail the UK if I had to guess. Uh, and Sam Williams is off to the UK. I don't know if that was last week or this week. Was the other one that yeah, well, he's retired and right. he's moved on from the um, from Canberra, which is, you know, he's obviously, he said he doesn't want to stand in anyone's way down there. So hopefully they get a kid in there that'll give him an opportunity. But, um, and David Mead apparently has just renou- announced his test retirement. So. From what, Tom? From the Kummels. Kummels, okay. Yeah. Wasn't he going to play 5-8 or something for him? He's been the captain for a while, but yeah. I think he, um, I think he's still playing this weekend. But yeah, okay. it'll be his last game. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Lebanon test is tonight. You got any yeah, intel on that? Starting in about ten minutes, I think. I think it's, I think it's just kicked off. It's on Ko. Well, if you want to go back and watch it, if you haven't, it'll be on Ko. I suppose. Um, I believe it's at uh, Belmore Oval, of course. Uh, that area. You've got a big. Um, Big Lebanese sort of yeah, nice. and multi, oh, I believe, yep. community. So I think that's probably a smart, smart place to have the game. Yeah, beautiful. Alrighty, so round fifteen kicked off with the Dragons scoring twenty six points, uh, thirty two points in about twenty six minutes uh, to beat the Bunnies thirty two to twelve. What the hell was this? Um, your your stats, Barn, and I've spent fifteen rounds this year talking up Campbell Graham as the best defensive centre in the game, and I wanted to go hide under a 
I, I didn't know what to make of that first half. He was anyway. almost he, he was almost well, the embodiment of a pop plan. He was a pop man. And even today when I went back, he did say just stood there as they ran around. Him. Even today when I went back and watched like the, the had a bit of a refresher flicking through some of the highlights and it was unbelievable. But this is South's one of the worst South's worst games for a couple of years that I can remember anyway. But um, yeah, it was six tries to the Dragons, two to Souths. Four out of six conversions played two out of two. 80% completion played 70%. 32 out of 40 sets played 28 out of 40 sets. Five line breaks to seven. 31 tackle busts played 30. Nine offloads to 11. One force dropout for Souths. 338 tackles played 362. Two ruck infringements to one. One inside the 10 to zero. Five penalties conceded by the Dragons. Nine conceded by Souths. 14 errors to 12. And a sin bin for St. George. McCulloch made 38 tackles. Cook made 50, Laurie, uh, Blake Laurie with 206 running metres, Nichols with 162, Bird missed five tackles, made 33, Burgess missed five tackles, made 14. Uh, Supercoach points, Cook with 103 Supercoach points, Murray with 87, Jack DeBellum with 78. What, what do you make of this? Oh, so it, was, it was pretty... Like, don't get me wrong, Dragons started pretty fast at the start of the game. Like, they did come out firing and they put South under all sorts of pressure at the start of start of this game. And after about 20 or 30 minutes, South were basically looking around at each other going, what the fuck do we do now? Like, they, they looked confused. They didn't know. They didn't look like they had an answer whatsoever. Um, yeah, what, it was a dominant display from the Dragons, especially in the middle for the first 10 or 15 minutes where they just sort of rolled through the middle of the South pack um, and then South obviously tried to counteract that by compressing their defense up. And that's when they just started shifting to the edges. And <laughs> Lomax and Ravala were having a field dale on one side of the field. And then um, Suli jumped over someone on the other side. And they, they were just making impressions all through South's de- defense everywhere. And their defense looked woeful. It looked like um, a bottom four team was out there trying to defend against the Dragons who don't have the most potent attack in the competition, but they they were pretty good. Um, they were well, decent enough anyway. They got through and did their did their job and hit their edges when they needed to. But um, yeah, the South's defence was absolutely disjointed and they didn't help themselves again. Um, it's a pretty common tale in the game of footy where they give away penalties and get, do stupid things. Yeah. Drop the ball, give away penalties, and it hurts. Um, hurts you badly. In the back five for Southwood, they were horrible. Um, every single, oh, minus Cody Nicarima, and that's saying something. If Cody Nicarima is your best back on the field, but the the other four were woeful. They didn't look like they wanted to be out there. They didn't look like they could even when they were trying to do things. They just didn't look like they were they could do anything whatsoever. Um, on the back of five or six, like shocking performances from South, um, mainly sort of Milne and Paulo out in the edges. Ilias got dragged pretty early in the game. Um, Thomas Burgess, I think, is the worst game I think I've ever seen that like play. Um, that was the reason that they got smacked so badly. Uh, Nichols and Havili were decent in the middle for South. Kulamatungi, Cook and Murray were their best players by, um, by a fair way. There was no massive standouts for the Dragons. It was a pretty good team effort, actually. I don't think they had many players that you just say weren't um, weren't decent out on the field. But um, the halves were pretty good. Ramsey and Ravalawa, oh, Chuck and Lomax as well were the best backs out there. They were they looked every time they touched the ball to be given South drummers in the outside edges. 
Uh, Blake Laurie, Jack DeBellin, they were they were massive through the middle for the Dragons. So um, I found it really hard to give the three two ones in this one. Um, Ollie, what are you, what are your thoughts on the yeah. on, it, on the game? Also, a guy like well, I think Barney summed it up pretty well. But um, one of the players you brought up, Barton, Cody Ramsey, around this time last year, we were sort of laughing at the the prospect of him. As a fullback, fullback. yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say the past few weeks when he's been there, he's been pretty good, and I'd say last week was one of his one of his best efforts there. Probably, obviously, off the back of a, a poor South Sydney effort and a solid Dragon side, but he definitely put in the effort on both ends as well. I thought he was good defensively too. Uh, I made a late change in this one. I believe on the show when I sent in my predictions, I tipped Souths to win, but I actually changed that day off to the dragons and the main reason for that was actually the halfback and the fact that one team had the established halfback. We've been going wax lyrical about it this all this year, but I just had that feeling that it might be the difference in this one. And while whilst I wouldn't say Ben Hunt being there was the difference maker in any way, shape or form, if South Sydney had a an established halfback there and, and Adam Reynolds, for example, maybe, uh, I, I think we would have seen a a much better effort from South Sydney here. So that's something I picked up on as well. And Hunt and uh, Amon as well, as you brought up, Barney, both the halves were quite involved and they both played a really good game. He seems to do something once or twice every game, Amon. He just seems to be able to put some footwork on someone and get around someone or create a half gap for somebody else. So he's um, he is improving. Yeah, I, look, I'm... I, was, I think you've got to give Ben Hunt three, <laughs> but I've... You know, by no means confident. Lomax two and Ramsey one, maybe? I actually gave Cook the three because Cook was in everything. He made 60-odd tackles. He scored a try. He um, he did, whenever they did anything, he was breaking them up through the middle. Um, but I'm happy for him not to get the three. And I had Hunt with two. And then I had either, I had Blake Laurie or um, Cam Murray for the one. I know they're on a, ba- on a beaten side, but as a standout one-off, like as a personal performance, they, I think they, you know, put in more than a lot of the other players on the field, even though they didn't win the game. Oliver, I'm I'm not giving point three He's, points to someone oh. prepared to team got beat by twenty. I'll give Cook one if if uh, if that's what he's aiming at. Let's have Cook in there. Three hundred. So. And actually, Blake Laurie's been good the last few weeks, so why not? Let's go to Laurie, one cook. Yeah. Right Laurie's been actually, Laurie's put about a good month together. He's having a good year, is Blake Laurie. <coughs> 20. I still reckon if you go back and watch the game, you'll fucking, and watch it closely, Cook was easily the best player on the field. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> 28. No, I'm happy with that. 28 26 Cowboys mm. over the Seagulls. In the in the dying minutes, uh, was it sixteen yeah, points in three this. minutes? Uh, so, wow! Uh, actually, I'll actually had yeah, um, one of my bigger bets of the weekend on this game because I started to feel confident for some reason just before kickoff and three quarters of the game through the way yeah, of the game. I was still pretty, pretty comfortable. Confident. Confident. <laughs> Seventy-five <laughs> minutes into the game, you'd have been comfortable. Uh, so. Fucking hell! Uh, five tries apiece. Yeah, I had money on me in the one to twelve, and uh, well, is me. Five tries apiece, three out of five conversions for Manly, four out of five for the Cowboys. A missed two-point field goal for Manly. 68% completion for Manly, 82% for the Cowboys. 
32 out of 47 sets, played 33 out of 40. Three line breaks to one, 36 tackle busts to Manly, 25 to the Cowboys. Five offloads to 17, two force dropouts for Manly, and a 40-20. 340 tackles played 291 for the Cowboys. Zero ruck infringements to one. Zero inside the 10s for both teams. Four penalties conceded to five. 17 errors from Manly, 10 from the Cowboys. And a sin bin to the Cowboys. Crocker made 46 tackles, Robson with 38, Garrick with 270 running metres, and Val Holmes with 270 running metres. Three missed tackles for Foran and made 22. Harper missed three and made 17. Hiku missed six and made 15. And Nanai missed seven and made 26. Crocker with 103 supercoach points, Val Holmes with 99, and Nanai with 77. Very quickly, sorry, something I did want to ask you about last game, which I just, only because I was flicking just to the next stats page, I can't remember I've ever seen a game where no one's kicked more than 100 metres. The South Heart, not a single South player kicked more than 100 metres. Now, Ilias got hooked. He was no, like, Cody Walker would have been close to the worst player in that field, apart from Campbell Graham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're not going to cook. Well, I know, but like, uh, yeah, like, did you have any thoughts on that? That's a talking point. Oh, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me at all to to hook Ilias. Um, I know he made a, a few errors early, and there was there was a couple of de- glaring defensive errors as well. But when you've got a young half, that's ex- that's basically that's expected. You're going to get probably and you know maybe twenty percent of the games during the season where that's going to happen. Um, it's about leaving him out there to find his time and, you know, giving him a chance to bounce back realistically because well, it wasn't he wasn't out there for that long, was he? Uh, 28 minutes. Pretty sure he got, yeah, I, thought he it was, got I didn't even think it was that long. Half an hour, yeah, was before, so. yeah. yeah, I thought it was about 15, 20 minutes, but obviously it was a little bit longer than that. But if it was me, I wouldn't hooked him, but I, I guess he's trying to make a point to his playmaker. That's the only thing I can think of. Coach is trying to make a point. But Ollie, any thoughts? On Ilias being hooked, or are we back on this game? No, Ilias first, and then you can. I'm with you guys. I think it was quite a surprise, especially so early on in the game. You'd think if things aren't going your way and your half isn't playing well and you are going to hook him, you at least wait until some point in the second half. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't think after half an hour, for a halfback in particular, I just. And your main kicker, because they've got no other kicker. Well, that was, that was yeah. again to my point, right? Why I mentioned the stats. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think you, you, yeah. you find him a hole in defence and put get a bit of um, extra cover around him, obviously, um, to try and sort of cover that up a little bit. And yeah, just try to boost him up, like, especially when you've got no one that can kick long or especially in a game like that. He has where a decent kicking he game. He only needs maybe but, one or two good touches, and he's like, he probably comes. Yeah, he's got good. opportunities to open up the defence. Like yeah. it's not like the Dragons have got the best defence in the comp. That's right. Even though South's made him look pretty good on the weekend. Anyway, back to Manly. <laughs> Oliver, you may you may take the first crack at this. Yeah, well, the first point I wanted to bring up was, I, I guess, sort of something that's gone against the the uh, the story we've come to learn with the Cowboys this season, and something that. Our man Gump has sort of um, ridden home a fair bit, and that's um, the defensive performances we've been seeing from the Cowboys consistently. I don't know whether it was fatigue for some of the players coming back from origin or what it was, but they that was 
the big thing I noticed with the Cowboys that was off for them in this game. So many missed tackles. I'm not sure of the exact number, but they missed a lot 36. of tackles as a team. 36, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was just a for a team that's been what conceding at most six points a half um, every second half, I think it's been for most of the season, it was just a bit of a shock again against a team like Manly. Again, maybe the players coming back from origin, this, that, and the other maybe had an effect, but definitely something I've not come to expect from the Cowboys at this point, but they were able to bring it back. They were able to come back and win the game. You sort of, I guess, uh, repeat offenders in a positive way were there this week. Um, Holmes, you had... Peter Hiku as well, an attack I thought was really good. Uh, Jason Taumalolo as well, as always, each and every week, well and truly back to his best. But I thought for Manly, um, one of Cherry Evans' better games of the season um, across the field, uh, kicking game was good uh, with ball in hand. And I think defensively he had a really good game as well, which usually he's not a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think that added defensive effort was there and his team sort of went off the back of it a bit. So it was good to see sort of that performance from Cherry Evans where he sort of really took the game by the scruff of the neck, I guess you could say. And, you know, we haven't seen it as much in the past couple of years, even with Tommy there, he still had really good games, especially in 2021 was one of the best players in the competition, just overshadowed a bit by Tommy. But I feel like this one, of course, they went on to lose the game. But this one, I think he was probably that key influence for Manly. Um. Yeah, well, um, as mentioned, I thought Manly were pretty dominant for large parts of this game. Um, and it was, like, don't get me wrong, it was one of the Cowboys' poorer performances for the season. Um, I did, I had I had a feeling that it was coming. They've been up for so long. There's only, you know... Not many teams can run for the entire season playing at 100%. There's generally always a drop-off of a, a couple of games here and there during the year. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, young guys getting hyped up with the origin and stuff. It's a, it's a bit of a letdown coming back you to You know a, what's important, though, cold is, night that, in... is it still actually winning those shit games? Is, is yeah, the absolutely. Is the difference oh, mate, the, the comeback in the, one, two, the comeback in this game was yeah. tremendous. And, um, you know, they, they haven't travelled a lot recently. They've come down to Manly on a wet, greasy night and... Um, I wasn't wet, but it, you know, slippery, slippery sort of conditions. And Manly, Manly started on fire. They, um, you know, they they come out strong. They put the Cowboys on the back foot. Um, it was a bit sort of go back and forward for most of the first half, but Manly seemed to kick off in that second half. The one thing I would say about the Cowboys is that uh, Manly, every one of Manly's tries came off a kick. It wasn't like they were get like they were getting split open at different times and missing tackles and getting broken the line broken. But on the their on goal defense, generally didn't well they didn't concede any tries that you know were from running the ball. It was all all kicks. Um, so that says something about their defense, I suppose. Um, but that last fifteen minutes, it, it was it just showed the fitness of the Cowboys, which we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, especially the, that last fifteen minutes. When Manly fell in a hole and they, they were gassed and they were looking for somebody else to do the dirty work, the Cowboys turned up and started ramping up the pressure. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Morgan Harper that got in uh, Val Holmes' face with about 15 minutes to go and it just seemed to trigger the bloke and he went nuts. He was he was a part of everything in that comeback in the last 15 minutes of the game. 
it's good to see him back in the top like top form where before he left and went overseas. He, he is in, in incredible form at the moment. And it basically came down to his size and pace at the back end of this game where he broke him open on that left edge a couple of times uh, for a try for himself and set up one for somebody else. Um, yeah, and he basically won the game on, on the back of himself, really. Um, so Jason Saab had another one of those shocking nights. He seems to put him in every six or eight weeks where he's just completely uninvolved. He drops the bloody thing. He, he can't seem to do anything correct. And that was one of them for him. Um, what do you? What else do you say? Tui Paludu yeah, no, was actually, pretty good. And Garrick from... Lachlan Croke is having a fantastic season. Absolutely, he was his last, yeah, especially um, his last. Either if Manly had won this, out. he would have been close to Manly. Yeah, he was sensational now, but I think he made what 40, 46, 46 tackles. But he also, yeah, obviously a couple of tries and tries to but um, runs just and, strong. Yeah. And when he hits, he st- they stay hit a lot of the time uh, when yeah, he's not absolutely. bouncing off and knocking himself out. But um, yeah, Tui Paludu, uh, Garrick, and Harper were were the best for the of the outside backs for Manly. Jake and Olakawatu were really strong in the middle, but yeah, as you said, Croker he was involved in everything, and he was a big part of the reason I thought Manly were the better team for that first um, that first sixty minutes of the game, along with DCE's kicking game, which was pretty pinpoint. Again, um, the Cowboys forwards were pretty solid. Jason Tamalolo and Nanai were the best there by far. Um, Lemuelu was good from the bench. Drinkwater was pressured early. Like they put all, all their bombs and all their kicks were aimed at Drinkwater. There was obviously a plan there to hit him. So he, he wasn't involved in the second and third tackles and sort of try to take him out of that coming back. But um, he was good in the end of the game. Robson was also pretty good. Robson's another one, um, an unheralded hooker that's having a really good season and he's, he's um, doing some really nice things. I think we've mentioned him pretty much every game for the last four or five. So. Again, he was good, but yeah, Val Holmes was scary good in this one. Absolutely, just uh, he's just been uh, incredible at times. He's getting three, obviously. Um, I was happy yeah. with Croker two and DCE absolutely for one. Yeah, perfect. Had, yep. um, yeah, DCE or Tamalolo, but yeah, yeah, we'll give it to DCE. Well, this is a, a bit different. The first game, it's an occasion where you know when when Manly are actually the better team, it's um, a bit different. Thirty-two twenty. Storm over the Broncos, who matched up quite well, I thought, um, until, you know, maybe a key decision or two late in the game, and then uh, the score maybe slightly flattered Melbourne, if not maybe, you know, obviously just uh, being able to get an extra gear was that a difference at the, again at with, the um, end. The but what, what did the stats yeah. say, Barn, and then what did you make of it? Yeah, six tries to four, four out of six conversions for the Storm, two out of four for the Broncos. Uh, a missed penalty attempt from the Storm. 82% completion played 79%. 33 out of 40 sets played 31 out of 39. Five line breaks for Melbourne, two to the Broncos. 20 tackle busts to 21. Eight offloads to three. Three force dropouts to four. Zero 40 20s. 315 tackles for both teams. It's unusual. Uh, three, uh, one ruck infringement against the Broncos and one inside the 10 from both teams. Five penalties conceded to six. Nine errors from both sides. Grant with 45 tackles, Carrigan with 34, Meany with 180 running metres, Oates with 183. Ollum missed five tackles, made 16. Walters missed six tackles, made 27. Uh, Ezra Mann missed three and made 13. Hughes with 101 supercoach points, Munster with 87, then four other players before you got down to 
Brisbane's player, uh, top player in Oates on 70 points. Another good game. I thought we were treated to a few good games this weekend. Um, there's probably more good games than poor games, which was um, which was good for the weekend. Uh, it's, it's definitely a confidence builder for the Broncos, that the fact that they were able to go blow for blow with the Storm for a good 40 or 50 minutes in this game without Adam Reynolds, obviously. Um, it can only do wonders for their confidence, especially considering they're um, one of the younger teams running around in the competition. So hopefully that... Um, leads to a little bit more confidence coming out of them, which you have seen recently. Uh, I thought they were probably in front of this game for probably the first half an hour. Um, and then you had two pieces of absolute individual skill from Jerome Hughes, where he's, uh, he's kicked for Munster and then his little inside-outside ball and scores himself to, to even up the scores coming back in at halftime. Sort of five or ten minutes after half time, Storm just seemed to muscle up. They compressed their defense, made the Cowboys uh, Broncos go around them, uh, and then you know stopped them, stopped the go go forward through the middle. And then then they started. Uh, they seemed to have a pretty dominant share of possession there at one point, and then they started sort of stretching the Broncos from side to side, and it was pretty methodical for the last twenty. 20 minutes of the game, I think um, they they seemed pretty well in control of the game for that last 20 minutes. I think, as I mentioned, it's a bit of a fitness edge thing there. They're one of the one of the fitter teams, and they just go for 80 minutes more often than most teams in the comp. So, basically, how I thought it broke down at the end of the game. Uh, the Broncos bench seemed to have a bit more impact with Hetherington and Flegler, who both both of those uh, really good up and coming players that seem to have an impact every time they're on the field. Uh, but all four Storm players did a job without being, you know, having a huge impact, but they still did their job, which is what you want, obviously, of your bench. The Broncos were, were decent, but they, they seemed, Martin seemed to get targeted a bit, which took him out of the game. He didn't seem to be able to get involved too often in their attacking sweeps. They, they did put a lot of pressure on him. So um, he sort of had less impact than a lot of games he's played this year. I thought Tyrone Roberts was fantastic considering he's yeah. been out for close to two years and he come on and played 45 minutes. His kicking game was precise, controlled. Him going off um, actually was, was almost a turning point. Yeah, it was a bit. He, he, You could see that they were listening to him. He was pushing them around the field, getting them where they needed to be. So that experience did help. Um, and yeah, <laughs> not playing for so long, I thought he was really good. Um, Ezra was okay. It wasn't one of his best performances, but he still shows that he's a first-grade a first player. Oates, Hass, and Hetherington were oh, Ed Chuck and Carrington, Carrigan, English, Carrigan <laughs> were their best players. Um, Gafusi was good again. He's good most weeks, generally how it goes. Um, I thought Kamakamika was enormous for the Storm. I thought he was close to their best, or he was their best prop, uh, best forward, and yeah. He's probably unlucky to miss out on my points, to be honest. But, yeah, it was one of his best performances I think I've ever seen him play. Aramia and Meany were strong. But their best three players were the 6, 7 and 9 again. It was Harry, Hughes and Munster that were their, their best three out in the field, I thought. This is – you. I've, I've mentioned before how teams – sometimes t- these up-and-coming teams need a bit of a, a beating by the top team just to make them realise, hey, we're – we're B plus and they're A great and they're A. Yeah. Uh, and I think this yeah. is the one they needed. You know, they put seven in a row together and they, they can take out the fact, like you said, they matched them for a big chunk and only got beaten by arguably the best, well, the best 5'8 in the comp and the Kiwi halfback. 
uh, who who was fantastic. Was actually was probably the best player in the field. He uh, was the best player. In the field. So, and your point is very valid. In it, this is a young team, and they've now reached A level. And this, if this propels to the next level, what the, the average age in this team would be twenty five. Like Carrigan's twenty three, yeah, I think. Pretty sure Hass is twenty one, and Flegler and Carrigan are all, all the same time. age. Yeah. All those blokes are um, yeah. early twenties. Like. Without giving going away too early, I can see they keep most of this squad fit. Yeah. When we when when it's bold prediction time, uh, twelve beers deep in about six months, I can see the words <laughs> premiers and broncos coming out of my mouth Top at some four, point. But uh, anyway, we'll save that down the road for for later times. Uh, you covered off all the major key storm talking points. I think uh, that's it. I do think Pappy, in a way, can't come back quick enough for him. I think that extra point of attack yeah. will be uh, well vital to him once they hit some of the uh, the sort of top four. But Ollie, anything to talk about? Well, you sort of um, took what I was going to bring up, Daggy, and that was sort of these litmus test games for these teams sort of overperforming, I guess you could say, um, comparative to pre-season expectations, um, getting on that bit of a run. It, it is interesting, though, because we were – having this same discussion about Cronulla when they lost to Melbourne earlier this year and it was a really good game. We were saying, okay, Cronulla will be able to go back and sort of get Mm. better for this. Well, in actual fact, they got worse Mm. from that game, I believe. I'm not saying Brisbane will, but it will be interesting to see how they react to this in the next couple of weeks because, of, of course, they'll be confident in the effort that they put in and the way they were able to play against Melbourne despite the loss, but Cronulla would have been as well. So I, I'm just very interested to see for the Broncos how they actually react to this um, over the next few weeks because um, it's a nice assume, timing for it because they can in, they can uh, have a they got a week off the blokes going to go back yeah. into Origin that you know and they, they come back and it's almost like it never happened. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, it, it will just yeah, it'll be interesting to see though and. Look, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Brisbane probably do come back from this pretty well. But well, the big thing they've got is they've still got their clutch. They've got their number one man sitting on the sideline and wasn't involved yeah. in this game, so that can only add confidence as well. Absolutely, three Hughes, uh, going by. And what are the other two? Two for Harry, and then I had Munster or Oates for the one. Well, Oates has been in really good form yes. recently, um, but. Um, yeah, Munster was good, but he didn't sort of stand out like he does when he has these really good games. So I'd probably sway to Oates, but... Ollie? Let's give it to Corey. Yeah. Go right. on. All right, why not? Jerome 18, Harry Oates. 18-10, Saturday Arva kicked off with the Sharks uh, getting through a, a bit of a slot fest against the Titans bar in the stats. Wasn't it? Yeah, three tries to two, two out of three conversions played, one out of two for the Titans. One out of one penalty attempts for the Sharks. 68% completion for the Sharks, which has been pretty much their average, I think, for the last four or five weeks, which is probably why their form's been so rubbish. But 81% for the Titans. 30 out of 44 sets played 30 out of 37. Five line breaks to four. 44 tackle busts for the Sharks, 27 for the Titans. 14 offloads to 13. Four force dropouts to zero. Zero 40-20s. 327 tackles played, 356. One ruck infringement against the Titans, one inside the 10 against the Titans. Six penalties conceded to eight, 16 errors to eight. Braley made 43 tackles, McIntyre with 34. Katoa with 173 running metres, Tino with 190. 
Ramian missed four tackles, made 15. Moylan missed four and made 19. Sexton missed seven and made 11. And Turner missed six and made 18. Nico with 96 supercoach points. Moylan with 90. And Tino and Bo Firma with 77 each. All I don't think it was a good game from either time, either team, to be honest. Um, Titans had a bit more control, uh, but they've got no real decisive attack at the moment. They don't seem to be able to strip teams for numbers. They don't seem to be able to power through over the top of teams either. They they just don't. They lack that killer blow um, massively, and I think it's got a lot to do with their halves. And Tino could probably do with one or two blokes going with him, which wouldn't hurt. <laughs> but, um, well, I think he's got uh, one. About it. <laughs> um, the Sharks seem to lack rhythm and connection. They have done for a while, as I mentioned just before. Um, and But they do have strike when they hang on to the ball. They are able to break teams apart and score points. But if they could hold on to the fucking thing, they'd probably be a pretty decent team. But, yeah, they look well on top early. What do you put that down? Since Magic Round, they've just been average at best, I think. I think yeah, well, it's like teams said, t- taken it- away Nico and um, Moylan's time. Um, they're, they're definitely going out of their way to rush the halves, which is, um, you know, sort of forcing that short ball to a, the, the back rowers who are making errors or the Nico halves does themselves. Love it. Nico does love that little panic pass, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't mind it. Um, Maddie's Moylan's not bad for it either. Yeah. <laughs> so you see Wilton and Nakora hitting flat balls in the hospital zone passes and then, you know, the ball goes down. Or they try something stupid and try to f- fling it out over the top of people and it gets thrown over the sideline. Or, Yeah, I, I think they need to set up a little bit deeper, to be honest, in their attack. Um, I, I understand trying to run it to the line and play at the line, which is good at times, but I just think they need to give themselves a little bit more time and set up a bit deeper in, a, in the attack because it seems that's when they're at their most effective, when they do have a lot more um, depth in their, in their attacking line. But we'll see how they go over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, as I said, uh, I thought the Sharks were pretty dominant early, but then they started to play like they expected to score points every time they touched the ball. And they started doing really expansive football and it just the ball went to ground way too many times. Stupid decisions and errors. And the Titans started to get back in, in control there for probably a good 15 or 20 minute period. Uh, maybe, yeah, 20, 25 really in the second half. Um, but it was ugly. It was ugly football. It was both teams put up some really ugly looking football there for a good half an hour in this game. Both of them looked like bottom four teams, realistically, for a majority of that second half. And yeah, it's not it's obviously not good enough for a team in the top four. But um, where was I? Wallace lost his mind there at the end of this game. <laughs> the Titans were in with a bit of a chance there of getting back in and get or at they least had momentum. Close. They they. You could argue they should have won that game. And it was the exact same as the last time the Titans versus the Sharks. When the Titans yeah, got the momentum did. late on, he was the one who scored the try and he was the one who threw it away. Yeah, but this time he just, you know, was, was I think one of them was a forearm to the head and it was some other stupid rubbish stuff. And there was about three of them in the space of five minutes, which basically took any opportunity the Titans had away from him because he lost his mind. But... Um, yeah, what do you say? He does it. It's a pretty consistent thing. So I thought Sexton was poor again. I think he seems to be having a poor game every second week at the moment. I don't know if he's um, if it's worth giving him a rest for a week or two or whether they pour through, but we'll see what they do there. Um, 
Clark and Liu were the best forwards. Uh, Mo, oh, apart from Tino, obviously Tino was the best player on the field by a mile. Mo was decent, as was Bo Firma. Um, he, he made a few errors, but he always puts in a, a, a pretty good shift. Kennedy and Katoa were good for the Sharks. Um, Finnegan was disappointing. I'm not sure if he's fit, still fit, or what's going on. Um, he hasn't been good since he's come back. Uh, I, don't know. I think, obviously, he needs a lot more minutes to get him back up to speed. McGuinness, Nakora, and Rudolph are pretty strong in the, in the front row. Braley is um, playing really good week from week at the moment. I think he's, um, he, again, another hooker that you could mention as being one of the better ones at this time of the year. Moylan was very good again. Um, he just seems to be finding that role of setting up his that short pass and setting people up. When he does it properly, it looks quite good. And he, he's actually attacking the line a little bit with some footwork as well. Um, Hines' kicking, kicking game was the difference in this game. Um, when they needed to kick long, he, he put it down there. He just seems to know when to kick, and he's got a, a pretty long boot on him. And he did start to run it at times, and I thought he was probably the difference between the two teams. So. Oliver, your takeaway? Well, there's not too much I can say about the Titans that I haven't already said every single week for the past, what round is this? 15, 16, 15. past 14 yeah. weeks. To be like, to be quite honest, Tino was obviously the, the standout for the Titans, um, as were the players I think Barney mentioned. Uh, I think Bo Firma definitely earned his spot on the extended bench for Queensland. Hopefully he goes away and gets even better for it because God knows we need him to. Um, but other than that, I think they also just let Cronulla's, um, Cronulla's backline run over the top of them for a lot of this game. I'm, I'm, I believe it was every single back as my phone freezes here at a perfect point. Yeah. Every single back from one to seven for Cronulla, um, ran for at least 110 metres during the game. And that's not including the couple of forwards they did as well. So, you know, what? when your back line's running that well, um, it is quite hard to lose the game, which Cronulla almost did through their own mistakes. But realistically, I think Cronulla probably could have and should have won this game by a they bit more. should have dominated this game. Yeah, 100%, if not for their own, their own mistakes. But, yeah, it Still certainly wasn't the Titans having a blinder. Now, just while I was... I've asked Barney's opinion, his team, but uh, just on yours. One, does Holbrook last the season? There seems to be that they seem to be their next bullseye in line for the media. But two, uh, let's say, let's say, let's say in a perfect world, you parachuted Craig Bellamy into the Gold Coast to coach tomorrow. Is this team actually any good? Is the, the more I think about this, like it, maybe they're just not that good. Maybe we've overrated them from the start. I think what Bellamy, for example, would be able to get out of him at this point, and this is bad to say, but probably on par, if not a little less than what they were in 2021. Mm. And that's a team with a decent forward pack with a couple of players who probably carried extra weight um, in terms of the effort they put in every week. And it was just enough to scrape into the top eight. That's probably what Bellamy might be able to get out of a few of the players. But to be honest, the big thing for me is the halves like, Every week, it's just sort of been proven time and again how, and it's nothing against Toby Sexton because he played all right when he was alongside Jamal Fogarty. But getting rid of Fogarty, I'm not saying Fogarty is the best player in the world either, but geez, like in hindsight, that's a big stuff up, and especially putting all the eggs as well in the Jaden Campbell basket. I mean, he's not played 
half the games this year and it just seems like it's been a catastrophic start. That's one of the things I said in the previous show as well. I was worried about putting all the emphasis and all this pressure and on these two young players who are, I think at the time heading into 2022 had played a combined seven first grade games and it's backfired completely. And the person you've got to point the finger at here for that is Justin Holbrook. So does he last the rest of the season? I don't think so. I'm surprised he hasn't been sacked already, to be honest, because all the reports were, I think a couple of weeks ago was that he was gone. I still think he pretty much is. I'd Seems like he is. It, so I think I didn't. I think by the end, by the end of the July, uh, the panel maybe? shows this week, but it seems like the the sharks are definitely smelling blood. Well, by the end of July, I think he's he's gone, unless there's some miraculous turnaround where they win like three of the next five games or something, which they won't. I think he's gone. Who comes in? I've got like I don't know. Probably probably Paul Green because he's a Queenslander, but. I don't know. I don't know who fixes that club, to be honest, at this point. Yeah, did he have a pick? Walker Brothers, give him a club. I don't know. Who, who it, Paul Green does seem, <laughs> if I was to think about Lodge, it, Paul Green does Paul. seem a dollar twenty chance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway. They need they need a few more stocks. They need a couple of outside backs and a couple of forwards. Realistically, they need to go into the player market, from what I can see, but. I don't know how much you got to spend. Well, what player market as well at the yeah, moment? Yeah, that's right. Like, that's true. How Red, can Redcliffe they own the player market unless it... Luke Brooks end up one of these Queensland clubs. Like, you know what I mean? That's, there'll be, the Tigers have a fire sale and you might pick up a Brooks and a... I don't know. Peachy. A Peachy. <laughs> Peachy go back there. I don't know. Like You're right. Who else is there unless you go and raid some England forwards? I don't know. Uh, what do we got to say? Just All to, right. to, 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 yeah. Move on. Give us your three, two, one. Nico Tino, Nico Tino, Brayley or Fermel? I'd probably go Brayley. Right, correct weight. Nico Tino and Brayley. So let's talk about how bad the Warriors are. Uh, 40 to 6, Penrith gave them uh, a touch up, Barney. Yeah, Ollie was just rubbing his hands. I think he, they're the only team he thinks that might take the spoon off. Oh, I've got <laughs> another one. For, uh, I've got another one for him. Don't you worry. Oh yeah, we've we'll got another one. We'll get to them later. Yeah, yeah. So it was one try for the Warriors, seven to Penrith. One out of one conversion attempts for the Warriors, six out of seven for Penrith. Eighty percent completion for the Warriors, seventy-three percent for Penrith. Thirty-two out of forty sets played, twenty-eight out of thirty-eight. 580 plus running meters and 115 plus post contact meters for the Panthers. Two line breaks from the Warriors, eight for Penrith. 15 tackle bust to 30. Nine offloads to eight. Three force dropouts to one. 140 20. 309 tackles played 351. Three ruck infringements against the Warriors, one against Penrith. Two inside the 10 against Penrith. Three penalties conceded to eight. Nine 11, errors to 11. Devanga made 36 tackles. Uppy made 47. Tavanga made 137 running meters and Brian Toto made 217. That's a poor game for him. Volkman missed four tackles, made 27. Kenny missed three tackles and made 36. Edwards with 105 supercoach points. Cleary with 103 and Brian Toto with 101. Then you had two other Penrith players before Walsh for the Warriors on 75 points. Isn't it amazing? I think a good friend of the show, Johnny raise his stat to us, but uh, 
Dylan Edwards is the only Penrith player not in a representative team this weekend. Isn't that amazing? I'm sure we can find one for him. Quick. Oh, well, I'm sure lots of players. Lots he, deser- of them will, but... he, he deserves it. Like Been out stages. How good has he been? Going all you to talk about these people? Oh, <laughs> I love the Warriors so much. They suck so hard. Oh, I love it. One thing I noticed as well in particular, though, during this week, and again, it's something Gump likes to point out for and against and sort of how that's sort of an indicator of, as to how things might be tracking. The Warriors have the – have well, now, because of this game, have the worst for and against in the NRL by a decent amount. I think the Titans have the second worst. So I think they've got about 40 points on them or something. So as long as the Titans, I don't know, Unless either team can be yeah, in the last three the weeks, tigers, the Tigers have gone tigers, up three places tigers. up the ladder and they haven't won a game. Yeah, exactly. And I think that well, they've had the buy. Yeah, and they, um, and they did get buy points, which once all that that goes through, yeah. they will be last. Which the Titans and Warriors both have a buy in a couple of weeks. That's so right. That yeah. won't. But I noticed as well, round twenty-five, the last round of the season, Warriors versus Titans in New Zealand. Yeah. Now. These two teams <laughs> genuinely could not win another game this year and the wooden spoon will be decided in that game. And to be honest, if my team loses that game, well, let's not talk about it. But um, if there's I'm assuming that's a three o'clock Saturday game. They probably Yeah, that, that screams three o'clock Saturday. The two but, all draw. Do all draw? No, we'll miss no. seventeen attempts at field goal. And <laughs> it'll 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 either be forty six forty or four to And two yes, the dollar like ten shot gets up. It's it's three o'clock Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> they need that fixture needs to be called the three the three o'clock Saturday derby or something, and they get a trophy for whoever wins it because because no yeah, one's watching. I mean, at, 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 at this point, I think it. It's not too far fetched to say that this could be the, the wooden spoon decider, but at the moment, the Warriors are the worst team in the competition. And we went in our big talk about it sort of last Monday, led by Gump. But I, after that performance as well, the Warriors are genuinely the worst form team in the competition. I believe it's something Johnny, um, good friend of the show, also brought up earlier today for the first time ever probably not a single Warriors player is in the New Zealand Kiwis one to 17 something that we thought may have happened when we were talking last week and it is a reflection of just how far the Warriors have fallen and of course they were up against Penrith the best team in the comp but I thought Penrith probably could weren't even at their best in this game they still beat them 40 to 6. Yeah, Penrith were being nice in this game <laughs> Isn't that I can't a... believe it took them 15 minutes to score to be honest. I should say isn't that's I know they've it's been a two year pandemic, but isn't that reflective of how well the Warriors are going as a club? That like what there's no future for them because all the best now all the scouts go straight to New Zealand anyway. Well, the, the, the pandemic screwed them pretty hard to be honest. Like they they weren't going the worst two years ago, and to be relocated over here and you know that, that, surely it's taken a toll on especially the guys that have never you know lived outside of New Zealand and have been there their entire. Life, which I would imagine would be close to half of this squad, um, can't be easy having to deal with that. But yeah, as, a, as I mentioned, I, I was surprised it took Penner 15 minutes to score. Um, and then once they did, it, 
it was they were scoring every five or ten minutes from then on in for the rest of the match, and it was just an absolute train wreck for the Warriors. Um, on their performance, they deserve to be beaten by more. Like I know Penrith's a, a fantastic team, but there was times that where the Warriors, like Penrith, scored untouched two or three times in this game, and the, there was another two or three times where Penrith were taking two and three blokes in a tackle with them to score a try. <laughs> that's just not good. That's not first grade standard. Like, if you've got two and three blokes around the ball, you should at least be holding them up or, you know, stopping them before they get over the line. And there was some of these tries that Penrith put on were just, it was down to the Warriors not being good enough to stop them rather than Penrith being brilliant. But, um, you know, Penrith did what they had to do. They did it in second or third gear at best. Um, Tavanga, like some of their efforts from the Warriors were absolutely farcical. Tavanga and Harris were decent. Curran, Curran's on his way back and he, he's, he's, he'll be their best player for the next 18 months, two years while they try to get themselves back on their feet along with Walsh. But yeah, and those two were the best. Volkman was okay, but realistically had no ball to play with. So I thought he did an okay job on the back of his team getting beaten up pretty um, consistently. Targo was quiet, um, which, you know, he, he seems once a month, he seems to have a quiet game, but everyone around him, you know, did what they needed to do because he, he, yeah, half the team didn't need to be good and they could have still won this by 30 and, or 20. And they won it by close to 40. So uh, the rest of the back five are really strong. Uh, Liam Martin and Fish, I'll chuck Leota in there too. They were fantastic. They just ripped up through the middle. They do what they do pretty much every week. But Appy, Cleary, and Isaiah Yo, they're the three big names that seem to stand out most weeks. And they were, again, they were on a different level to everybody else on the field. So, What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Cleary three, <laughs> Appy two, Yo one. Uh, 20-8, Lebanon and Malta halftime. Right. 26-16, the other Parramatta turned up this week. And look pretty good in doing so, beating the Easts <laughs> at Combank in a the Easts. The East. been East for twenty five years. <laughs> gonna say, the Easts. As a big shout out to my computer, which has decided it's going to run all its updates right now. So apologies for that. And of course, we've got a chat. Give a quick plug to rugbyleaguemerch dot com, where you can find all our gear at rugbyleaguemerch dot com. Stats bar. Five tries to three, three out of five conversions for Parramatta, two out of three for the Roosters. 85% completion played 82%. 34 out of 40 sets played 34 out of 41 sets. 144 plus post-contact metres for Parramatta. Six line breaks to five. 31 tackle busts for Parramatta. 46 for the Roosters. 20 offloads to 12. Two force dropouts to one. Zero 40 20s. 302 tackles made by Parramatta, 411 made by the Roosters. One ruck infringement from both teams, two inside the 10 against Parramatta. Eight penalties conceded from both sides. Five errors, played nine. Mahoney made 44 tackles. Collins made 47. Junior Paulo with 229 running metres and Tupu with 164. Brown missed six tackles, made 19. Dylan. Papali missed five and made 26. Suwali missed four and made five. Walker missed four and made 13. Suwali with 101 supercoach points. Sean Lane with 98. And Manu with 85. I only mentioned the metres there. Uh, RCG also topped 200, 215 metres as well. Matthew, massive effort 
It was uh, absolutely. I thought it was actually outstanding. But uh, it was, w- what yeah. did you? Yeah, Barn, what did you make of this? That was. Um, I thought Parramatta come out with the energy early in the game again, um, and am- sort of ambushed the Roosters. Uh, the Roosters took the first opportunity with the, you know, getting Suwali on the outside of um, Sivo, who. We, as we know, isn't the best with lateral movement nor turning around to try and chase somebody. So once Suwali got in the outside of him, it was pretty much a, um, a foregone conclusion. But that was, again, back to Manu on his inside who drew in two blokes and got that little flick pass away to him. So uh, that's how the, the scoring started in this one. But um, the Parramatta just went set up. And it was, it was clear from the get-go that their plan was to take the Roosters on up through the middle. It was to use their big guys and the, the short ball playing and offloads through the middle to disrupt uh, the, the Roosters' defence. And they did it really well. Um, fast play the ball, strong, hard running through the middle of the field. And then when they did get to their edges, um, that was probably the best game from their... Like, Papa Lee was outstanding. He generally is most weeks. But I think it was Sean Lane's best game of the season. He was fantastic again with some really nice offloads and some good, Not strong, he's hard He's having running. a good year. When, para play, when he plays well, para play well. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Um, there were some really good, skillful, slick tries from both sides, actually. Um, like uh, drawing in numbers, good good passing, kicking, all the rest of it, offloads to um, to score. Like there were some really nice tries in this game of football. It was probably close to um, one of the better games in the weekend, to be honest. Um, lovely. There's a nice little chip and chase there at the end from Sawali. Uh he, he had to be close to the best player on the field. He was fantastic, um, and he's getting better week from week. Parramatta's backs, uh, they didn't seem to have as much – uh, sorry, Parramatta's bench didn't seem to have as much impact as the Roosters. Like, was Butcher and Watson were, were impactful, but um, Parramatta's bench just sort of were there. Uh, Teddy was good, as was Crichton and Tupanua. They seem to up their work rate a little bit this week. Uh, Manu and Suwali, on that combination could be anything in the next couple of years if they keep those two together. That could be, um, yeah, terrifying for teams to defend against. I thought um, Siwa Takiyahu and Lindsay Collins, they had massive games through the middle of the field. They, they were realistically the reason why Parramatta didn't run all over the Roosters because they, they were the ones that were fighting back and they, they did a lot of work in the middle of the field to make sure that Parramatta didn't roll over the top of them. Uh, Gutho and Penasini. Penasini's impressed me uh, greatly this year. He's, he's getting better. Another one that seems to get better every week. Um, Sivo had a pretty good performance considering last week he was a little bit quiet, but um, he's definitely someone that's going to bring something to this side when he gets back and completely match fit. Paulo, uh, Madison and Lane, as I mentioned earlier, they were fantastic. Um, you chuck RCG in there and that was the reason that Parramatta were able to get away with this. They were really good through the middle. Um, and Moses, was uh, his kicking game was on point. He was marshalling his troops and he did some really good work as well around the field. It was a big part to why Parramatta uh, were able to finish this game off. So Nathan Brown must be really in a nose when two blokes sit in the bench and uh, play three minutes and seven minutes respectively. Oregon Kafusi. And, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and Kafusi played half hour as it did near Corey, but um, the other two yeah. didn't make it on the field, so... Interesting. I, I don't know if I had those three in my team, I'd be playing Nathan Brown before the well, other you two. Think so you, must you just say to him, mate, you got 20 minutes, there. you'd just be a nutbag for 20 minutes. Absolutely. Uh, Oliver? Well, coming off the bench, I thought Kafusi was one of the 
best players on the field just for the output he put in for how long he was on the field. And ultimately, this game was decided by the forwards. Parramatta's biggest positive this year overall, um, arguably more than it has been in the past couple of seasons, has been their forward pack, and that was on show in this game. And that sort of over the past 18 months been what we've come to expect from the Roosters as well, especially with their halves not playing to the standard we'd necessarily expect. There have been certain players in the four-pack who have stood up. Siwa Takiaho, of course, was one of those. And the other one in this game was Lindsay Collins. So it was sort of like that that battle of the forwards. It's just Parramatta had that bit more cavalry, I think you could say, and they had that bit more momentum and that go forward during the game. And ultimately, that's what won it for them in the end, if we maybe saw. And again, the Roosters, um, the couple of players in the backs, you bring up Manu and Suwali as well had really good games, but ultimately it was decided in that middle and Parramatta just sort of overwhelmed the Roosters in the end despite a couple of really good individual efforts. Give us your daggy M votes, Barn, and then I'll, I'll ask the next question. I gave Suwali three points. I thought he was the best player on the field by a fair way. I gave Moses two, and then I either had um, uh, RCG or Lindsay Collins for the one. RCG for me. I... Yeah, well, it'd have to be RCG, I think. As I was saying, the impact of the forwards had, I think at least one of them's got to get in there with the... I'd actually give RCG two. I just think it's such a, it was such a key battle in the middle there. Forward dominated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, okay, we'll do that. People will be screaming, listening to this, going, how do you give a losing winger three points? But I, I know what you're saying. He's fantastic. And <laughs> wouldn't it have been scary if he was playing in the under-19s origin tomorrow? <laughs> on individual performance, now I thought he was by far the best player on the field. I know, you know, as you said, he was a winger, but he he did some tremendous stuff. And it, it, the fact that he does shoots off his line and hits second rowers, like he's not scared to put himself out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. It's um, it's sort of mind-boggling. There's some people in some of the chats who are in suggest he's overrated, but uh, anyway, good player. <laughs> so <laughs> we Suwali three, RCG two, Moses one. Yeah, yeah, go for that. To answer that though, Daggy, the reason people say that is because he is a player under the age of 20 that's gotten a bit of hype and literally everyone older than him is jealous that they weren't him at their age. Mm. And that his age. That, that's pretty much it for most people, Fair I think, <laughs> to be honest. We probably would have scored four points without him. So <laughs> That's true. Uh, actually, I just want to mention, well, the question I was going to ask is, so what... What do we actually do? Is, maybe we shouldn't ask this question week in, week out. Maybe it's just a matter of if they get to the finals and worry about it. But how do you line up mm-hmm. both these teams? Or maybe we just can't yet. Or is Parramatta just going to be the team that might finish fourth, might win a prelim final and you'll just blow a semi? Um, or, or, absolutely. Or might yeah. finish eighth and go all the way that you just don't know. Could be, yeah. Parramatta have got the team to push top four and trouble a couple of teams in the top four. In my opinion, the Roosters will be bottom of the eight, probably in that six, seven, eight position. You might get one game out of them where they can trouble one of the top four, but I don't think you're going to get consistent performances out of them in the finals and they'll probably go out pretty quickly. But I think it changes be... every three weeks. You could reevaluate it every three weeks and say something different. So yeah, 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 that's true. At the moment, both teams are probably just about on par with where they ended up last year. And at the moment, I'm Close probably tipping, tipping both teams to go out in the second week of the finals. Yeah, I can see. 
can see Roosters going out first week, but like then they, they I can see the Roosters still missing the eight if they don't sort of get something going with the the, the with their halves because there's been games where they haven't looked like they've been able to score points. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it all depends on how who matches up against who over the next ten rounds of the comp. But another one I've got concerns about is my team, the Sharks. Um, realistically, if they lose to the Bulldogs this week, they've got Penrith, Storm, Cowboys the following three weeks. They could lose four or five games in a row and be looking at missing the eight in six weeks' time from now. So, especially on their form where their attack's been up and down. So. Well, that's that's when, that's what I asked you what two weeks ago when I asked you about hey where what would what would be considered a pass mark for Fitzgibbon. But uh, oh mate, if, if they stri- if they limp into the eight, that's not a pass mark. No, no. so that's you know, but the merry-go-round goes around fast enough, I suppose. Uh, another... He'll have two or three years before they start questioning. Oh, him, not, imagine, not, unless in no they way, last next in, year. In no way, I'm suggesting he's in trouble <laughs> because there's a lot to change at the Sharks. They're, they're, they've got two million dollars in players turnover next year that are going to go in the next year or two. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Another team that blew a win here was the Newcastle Knights, 20 to 18. The Raiders got mm, home in the last two minutes again. In a an entertaining game of footy, actually, for I won't say it was by any means it was state of origin, forwards, but it was yeah. a it was an entertaining game to watch. Uh stats and an Ollie, you can tell us what you thought of it. I was really happy to see the Knights, the majority of the team all turn up and have a crack together because I think it's probably the first time this year that it's happened. But um we had four tries to the Raiders, three to the Knights. Two out of four conversions played three out of three. 72% completion played 66%. 31 out of 43 sets played 26 out of 39. Three line breaks from both teams. 41 tackle busts to the Raiders, 23 to the Knights. Seven offloads to six. Four force dropouts from the Raiders, one for the Knights. 341 tackles played 380. Three ruck infringements to zero. Four penalties conceded to eight. 14 errors to the Raiders, 12 to Newcastle. And Simbin... Elliot, 41 tackles. Randall with 53. Tarpany with 203 running metres. Clemmer with 161. Frawley missed five tackles, made 14. Milford missed nine and made 16. And Gago missed five and made 22. Young with 87 supercoach points. Ponga with 86. Man with 85. Well, I think it. this wasn't... Now, I'm not saying this game was like the Eels versus the Roosters in any sense, but I think as well um, part of it was decided by those efforts in the forward pack. And I think um, with Newcastle as well, uh, David Clemmer, for example, I think he's been having a really good year. Barney, I believe, for game one, you actually had him. Did you have him in your New South Wales side or said he wouldn't be too far off? Uh, nevertheless, I, I said think... it's definitely someone that you should be looking at on the bench. Um, yeah, of course. As an out-and-out front row, yeah. Yeah, and I think he, along with a couple of others, such as, I'd say, uh, Barnett um, as well, sort of put in those individual efforts there for Newcastle in uh, in the forward pack there. But you look at Canberra's forwards as well. Like, you've got um, Hudson Young with another... Really solid performance, I thought. Joseph Tarpany as well has, especially in the past few weeks, really sort of come back into his own. And what we sort of expected, I guess, throughout 2021, and part of the reason why we had them winning the comp. But he's I've got him really, as the best front rower in the game at the moment. Well, probably honest. in terms of form, 100%. Josh Papali as well 
um, ever since probably a couple of weeks before Origin. Magic Round. Played himself back into an or- Origin jersey and is now mm-hmm. probably um, one of the first picked for Queensland too. So I feel like that was sort of the catalyst. But again, on the back of that, you still had the performances in attack, I'd say, from the backs, from the Raiders, and that sort of put them a little bit over Newcastle. But it was sort of swaying back and forth the first half as well, and truly, I'd say, in Canberra's favour. And then there was that period in the second half where Newcastle were able to take advantage, and they did get back in front. And then in the end, obviously, Canberra just pipped them at the end. But I agree with you, Barney, as well. It was the first time in a long time we've probably seen a, a cohesive team performance, if you can call it that, from Newcastle, Absolutely. largely. I just don't think they it held on for long enough. And I think, look, either way, if you put in that performance for probably five minutes, a bit more Newcastle might might have just gotten away with this one. But I think overall, definitely the, the little add-on from the backs, I'd say, from Canberra, what they were able to do off the back of the Fords, um, I think got them home. So I was just watching was in the Lebanon test. Uh, Lebanon had just scored with the Lockford throwing a dummy between his legs. Threw a dummy, <laughs> ton of ball, a ton of ball dummy, then ran and threw a, a one-handed offload to set up a try under the post. Very magical stuff. You can't yeah. tell me international rugby league's not just... Or as Mike Lennon would say, majestical. But anyway. Um, majestical. Realistically, it was it. a stray hand from the Knights that cost them the game. Yeah. Um, uh, Old mate Edric Lee ends up scoring next to the post and it gets brought back because um, Tuala manages to get a slight touch on the ball after Xavier Savage has a brain explosion and throws it back in the field and then falls over the top of it. And um, poor old Tuala manages to get a couple of fingers onto it and it's classed as a knock-on, which would have... That that would have put the game out of reach for the Raiders and it would have been game over. So... um, I thought the Knights were probably close to being the better team for a, a fair chunk of this game, um, especially with the way that they sort of carved up. Um, they managed to make a lot of incisions through the middle of the Raiders' ruck. Um, the Raiders got the jump early, and a lot of it came down to simple one-on-one misses uh, from the Knights. The first two tries were basically just one-on-one misses that led straight to tries which has been a theme for, for Newcastle. And obviously that needs to get better if they're going to go forward. But um, then you had, um, you know, Kotrick and Tomoko scoring those first two tries. The sin bin from Whitehead uh, was a bit of a turning point. Uh, that was dumb. And he, he's got that in him. Can I, I just, I, I was, I don't use the term liability, but he almost is these days. Starting to become that way, yeah. And he's he holding, more. he didn't miss a tackle here, which, but he, he doesn't. He's not busting people open, and he's sort no, of taking minutes like off Sutton and Halsburgh and even who yeah, are is. Absolutely is, and he seems to be sort of jamming up that edge. It's, it does get stuck with him quite quite often. Mm. The ball gets um, sort of dies with him. Um, and then, yeah, he's got a bit of this uh, hot-headed in him as well, which leads to led to consistent pressure from the Knights who were able to put on points, and they took, the, took back the lead. Um, as I mentioned, that stray hand was basically the reason that they lost the game. I thought, um, how Tarpany gets back and saves the clipping their nails. The yeah, my wife's clipping her nails. There you go. That's <laughs> what a treat that is for her. <laughs> so, how Tarpany got back and saved that kick back on the inside from the winger on his own goal line with three minutes to go. Uh, that was a huge moment in this game. Uh, as Ollie mentioned, there's a massive battle in the forwards. Uh, there wasn't a lot of superstars in the back line. 
Clune added a, an extra area of attack for the Knights, which I think um, improved their performances a fair bit in this game. Coming back, he gave them somewhere else, you know, for the defence to focus on more than anything. Uh, Randall and Barnett were, were very good, as as well as Kurt Mann. Saifidi and Clement did, you know, did a really good job up in the middle there. And But Ponga was their best player. He Every time that they looked threatening, he was generally involved in it somewhere along the line. For all, he kicked well for the Raiders, but didn't seem to do much else for them. Um, Savage looked potent at times, but he's got a brain explosion in him as well. Uh, obviously, he's a young fella. But <laughs> Ricky be trying to knock that out of him at some point. Papali and Tuppany and Horsburgh. Horsburgh's form has improved out of sight over the last four or five weeks. He's been um, amazing, uh, considering how poor he was at times at the back end of last year and the start of this year. But... Um, he was very good. Elliot was fantastic, and he's in a fantastic run of form at the moment. Um, obviously, to join the Knights next year, which should help them. But yeah, his um, form at the moment is fantastic. And Hudson Young was the reason that the Raiders won this game. Uh, the little chip and chase and the try at the end of the game, as well as all the rest of the work he did through the game, led me to think he was the man of the match. But... Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think Anthony Milford's going to be all right there. He's mm. he took it a bit of fitness to come right, but I think he's. He's looked more dangerous than the Hawes have for twelve rounds. So, uh, true. There is he had something to that team. Uh, if he can find himself another capable partner, uh, yeah. All right. If you're going to go f- Sutton, I'm fine with that. I think Tarpani needs to recognise Hudson just, Young. Oh, sorry, Hudson <laughs> Young. What did I say? I had Young, Hudson. Elliot, and then I had either Tarpani or Ponga for the one point. But I think we're probably downplaying Tarpani because it's starting to become the, expect- yeah, give, the goes, expectation. Give, those, than... give the three camera players a new. So recap that. Oh, Ollie, any uh, goes, Hudson sorry. Young, Elliot, Adam Elliot with two, and Tarpani with the one. All righty. 36 to 12, the Bulldogs beat the Tigers. Maybe we get to ask you some questions. No, you can ask me all you want. <laughs> secret. Uh, 36-12. Do the stats, Barton, and you may ask. Six tries one. to two. Six out of six conversions played two out of two. 80% completion from the Dogs, 71% out of the Tigers. 36 out of 45 sets played 23 out of 32. 660-plus run meters for the Dogs and 139-plus post-contact meters. Seven line breaks to three. 40 tackle busts to 34. 19 offloads to six. Four force dropouts to zero. 260 tackles played 378. One ruck infringement to two. One inside the 10 to two. Three penalties conceded to four. 11 errors to 13. And a sin bin. Slip my mind. Who got sin bin? Yep. Um, Move on. Jackson with 30 tackles. Off and Gow with 48. Uh, Shoop with 293 running meters and Noffa with 181 for the Tigers. Uh, Josh Adekar missed oh, four Vaughan tackles, made end. four. Uh, yes. Burton missed four, made 19. Docker Clay missed four and made five. Tuolagi missed five, and made 39. And Safarth missed six and made 33. Kiraz with 85 super coach points. Tarmau with 81. Avarillo with 80. We, we have we have a no. Actually, what my first point I make is we have a direct apples to apples comparison from a month ago from these two teams. Absolutely, yep. And my takeaway from that is, I don't think Trent Barrett's going to have a job uh, anytime soon as a head coach because this exact Bulldogs <laughs> team has put on what 
80, 70 points in the last two weeks. Once against their, Parramatta. Their attack looks amazing. Their attack times looks. Better. They're allowed to pl- do what they want. <laughs> they're allowed to play the way they want. Their forwards are allowed to rampage. So all I can imagine is if they've gone to training and spent two hours every night doing boring block plays and saying we have to improve our possession and our yep. field position before we worry about that. And Potter's coming and going, look, you blokes know how to play footy. Go out and play footy. And have a lo and behold, yeah. they've got a fast team. They've got a scary forward pack, which they did have on paper. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Burton's, you know, got probably the scariest boot in the game. Uh if not conversation. Yeah, that clear. bomb is terrifying. And, <laughs> That's um, crazy. The, the, the riddle we've had for three years about Jake Avrilo might have been solved. So He's looking pretty good at fullback. They look crisp as. Um, so I would suggest if, to, to use, you know, to use the apples to apples comparison, Trent Barrett can't coach. And I would also suggest that perhaps Michael Maguire can coach and was getting the best out of a shit heap team. Because this team, uh, we'll talk about Tigers, any of you may ask you questions, should you have any, is barely first grade standard. Their centre field defence is in, like, embarrassingly bad. He's worse than the Warriors. He's, he's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. Uh, the, the It has been more so the last two weeks, and admittedly, Twile missed that game and then was knocked out in this game. So, obviously, those 60 tackles is a, is a lot to make up. But they've been trying to offload their hookers for two years. No one wants them, so that gives you a hint on what that you know, how they're held in regard. Uh, and then you've got old mate on 1.1 million next year, the 5'8", who, when we're under pressure, kicks balls into touch. Not just into touch, but into, like, the second row. Um, in terms of this as a game, it was, it was an okay game, uh, but Bulldogs were always the better team. And the other frustrating thing is you had Adam Dewey on the bench, and fine, that's all fine. But when it's a six-point game, why wouldn't you bring him on in the 60th minute? Why wait till the game's over to bring him onto the field? Yeah, he had two runs and they both looked, he looked fine in both of them. Um, particularly if one thing, if the you know we're we're on top, but the game was there. If the bloke's cleared, the bloke's cleared. Like what bullshit is? Oh, you're gonna ease him back into it. Either he's fit or he's not. You put him on the field. If he's you know, if if three blokes have gone down the first ten minutes, we what, you're not going to play him. You just forfeit. So he had to have been. <laughs> in some state to play longer than 19 minutes. But that said, I'm happy for you. The long-suffering Bulldogs, God bless them. They've uncovered some good players. Karaz is now getting game time. He looks like a serious footballer. Uh, Shoop's making massive metres now. Corey Allen's actually being allowed to play first grade. Good on him. It's not like he didn't play Origin a while ago. And um, Adokar's, you know, their their spiritual leader, I suppose. And Tavita Pangai's now... um, Look, yeah, as devastating as we know he can be. So, like, it's ticks up and down for Bulldogs. Uh, what I'm going to finish on with the Tigers. <laughs> There's three blokes in the team should be fair playing first grade. Simple as that. The rest of them are, wouldn't make it, as Gump likes to say, wouldn't make another team and are vastly overplayed. And I'll give them one thing, is that at least now it looks like Sheens has made one call. Now it looks like he's going to clear the decks and just get rid of the ones... Finally, get rid of these ones that are chewing up salary cap because yeah, they've got rocks. If they re-sign Luke Brooks, mm-hmm. which apparently they're all in discussions because he's off contract next end of next year. Um, if they re-sign him, let alone don't let him go this year, they've got massive rocks in their heads. But I think that's coming. It, it looks to me the mail was that he's going to get dropped this week and Adam Dewey would be named to start six. So he obviously he filled his fitness gauge up in that 19 minutes. Amazing. Uh, and... Um, Beyond that, you know, Luke Garner tries hard, he's going. And you've got Jackson Hastings and, and Dane Laurie, who I would argue are first graders. The rest of them, 
why? Like, there's no point defending or saying they're unlucky. They're just not that good. Simple as that. And if mm. if the stocks we put in, there's been rumours that you know, hey, Serraldo might take his job. If the stocks we put in these juniors, at least we're going to see it. we're going to see Hastings and Dewey together for the ten, for the last ten rounds. Uh, and and they were the two biggest mad. The sad thing is they were the two biggest Michael Maguire sort of imports and never got to play together. If and, and they're the two guys that could have would have led a team and kicked some blokes' ass when they were sucking at training and stuff. But we'll never know, uh, for better or worse. But kudos to the dogs. Got any questions? So is the Tigers the first team that has two coaches sacked in a season or what? I would, I can't imagine. Cool. And this is the thing, when you look at them and when you look at the Warriors, it's one thing for the Bulldogs because it obviously can be done, but the Warriors and Tigers, what motivation, there should be motivation because a job is one of them. How are they going to get better? They've gone backwards. And what motivation is there when um, they, they've got nothing to play for now, barring a job, and um, they're under a bloke who's two blokes that never coached before, and who knows what their training entails. So I I have questions, but yes, Oliver. Go on, Oli. So um, let's say hypothetically, because with all the talk I know, but I still wouldn't completely rule out the Bulldogs for the wooden spoon. They're currently two points above, and anything can still happen in the last 10 rounds, right? So I'm not ruling the Bulldogs out by any means, but hypothetically, right, at the end of the year, let's just say the Tigers, Warriors, Titans make up 14, 15, 16. Right now, where are you putting them? In that order, Titans, Warriors, Tigers. Tigers won't win another game. Like, Tigers would not win another game. If they win another game, I'll I'll keep my clothes on. I won't say that. I'll do something in the car. I don't know. I was more yeah, Warriors, to... Tigers for the spoon, and then the Titans above those yeah, teams. Yeah, so... Tigers, Tigers cannot win another game. Toss it up and they play, and, and they're playing each other next week in New Zealand, so there you go. Well, I think we've got, like, I think we're all different here because I've – I still probably have the Tigers 14th just because the other two suck so much. Titans 15th and the Warriors 16th. But I, I don't actually... think you're respecting the Tigers' level of suckiness enough. Well, well, that's the thing. I actually hadn't thought about And, and the thing about the Tigers is what kept them in games for 12 rounds was their forward pack, and it's disappeared. It, it, it's getting well, smashed. Look, I brought it. up before the round 25 clash between What's the happened Tigers? to Tuolagi? Like, he's oh, first he got four his, games, he looked like he got a, he got a new contract. start making a name for himself. They're Tigers, and he's another one. They may as well. Minutes and, oh, but even in this he played, game, 80, played minutes. 80 minutes and did three pieces of fuck all. They may as well now yeah. go, give Manly a call this week and go, you know what, have him. Like, get Just get rid of him. Get rid of him. Sound like Gump. If they don't want to be there and not sign, they can go. Just go. All right, let's wrap it up and we'll get to some more questions if we've got them at the end. But. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, mate, the, the attack, dog's attack is a million times better than what it was since the new coach turned up. The Tigers killed themselves with, you know, they let two dummy halves. The first two tries were dummy halves that just ran past two blokes and over the top of another one to score tries. And how you let that happen in the first 15 minutes of a game fucking astounds me. I understand the dummy half shooting out close to the line or whatever, but that have a really one. He dead set ran past two blokes who stood there and looked at him and then ran around another one to score. <laughs> like there's two dummy half tries to start the game. Um and then they they didn't contest kicks and when they did they dropped the fucking thing. Then the in defense they were arm grabbing, jersey grabbing and missing guys. And yeah, there was yeah, this was one of the worst performances of the year, I thought, from the Tigers. They looked disgusting for a good part of this game. Uh, and just the attitude. Like it's 
from one side to the one side of the field to the other, the the difference in attitude was stark. Like the dogs wanted to be there, they wanted to play. It didn't look like there was about three blokes, as you mentioned, on that Tigers team that looked like they wanted to be there, and then come halftime they didn't want to be there because they were getting flogged. But um, yeah, what do you do? And it, it, I don't think there was a poor player on the field for the dogs. I think pretty much every one of them put in, but there was four or five blokes from that Tigers team that should hand their paycheck in and give it to someone else because they didn't deserve it after playing this game. I can tell you that. Um, Laurie and Nofaluma tried hard. They were decent. Um, Little was okay. Uh, Tamu and Offa and Gowie were the Tigers' best players by a mile. Um, Offa and Gowie is the only forward with over 100 metres in the game. I think that was only 103. So the back five for the dogs were all decent. Karaz and Shoop were the standouts uh, easily. Jackson, Jeremy Marshall King were strong. Burton, Tavita Pangai Jr. and Max King were fantastic. Uh, I can't wrap those guys enough. Max King come from absolute obscurity this year and is. There's now, another, what about another novel concept? His name up in there. Now he's a starting front row. We've only been saying it for. 12 Absolutely. rounds. We have been saying Who'd it for a while. Fucking thought? Hey, we'll put our best forward on the field. Oh, fuck. And he's going awesome. Um, I thought Tavita Pangai Jr. was the best player on the field, closely followed by Max King. And then I either had Burton or Karaz. I just gave the point to Karaz because um, he's obviously a guy we don't know a lot about and he's been fantastic ever since he started first grade. And some of the finishes and some of the work that he did on his um, opposite in this game, they were, were amazing. Like, he made the bloke stand in opposite. He looked stupid a couple of times, so. Oliver? Yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah I agree with your forwards, your two forwards you mentioned. I'll give it to Karaz. Yeah, why not? He was good. So, uh, for the record, TPJ, King, and Karaz. All right, we've got... Uh, what do we do at the end here? Actually, we're not going to do a disaster class this week. Do you have those stats in front of you, Barn? Or you need a break for that? We'll no, I've pre- got the disaster class. That's what just, we'll just like recap our, had bets in Yeah, recap week. our bets from last week. Yeah, so... Um, <coughs> Dougie had the... Oh, wrong page. Dougie went with the Roosters, Cowboys, Dogs and Raiders and um, obviously had the... Roosters let you down there. Um, I went with Souths, Melbourne Sharks, Panthers, all 13 plus. Souths <laughs> and Sharks didn't make 13 plus either, obviously. And then I had Manly Dogs and Roosters, and I can, none of that worked out for one to 12. So right, <laughs> Dogs so were on 13 work. plus, right. and the other two lost. So. Gamble responsibility. Um, we've all, all lost all $50 this week. Oh, well, yeah, it's all right if you don't put a bet in. That's fine. <laughs> Oliver is still the leader at the moment with $162.50 profit. I am in profit of $55.40. Adrian is in a negative $105 position at the moment. And Guppy's minus 400 from his eight bets that he's put out this year. Pop plan of the week. Mm-hmm. One. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, it's. The, that manly fucking winger that everyone carries on about how fucking fast he is. It's all well and good, but when blokes are just running around you, you can't catch a fucking cold, you may as well just stand on the fucking wing and be a bot plant. And that's exactly <laughs> what he did this weekend. So it's Jason Saab gets my bot plant of the week. Uh, I'm giving the best defensive centre to game a pot plant. Uh, Campbell Graham was embarrassingly bad for the first half hour. Uh, he... 
well, you know, if you're talking about people getting hooked, Souths are hooked centres in that team for less. But anyway, that was bad. You got one, Holly? Yeah, I'm going to go with um, our Lord and Saviour, Luke Brooks. <laughs> Speaking of a pot plant, if we're bringing the Lord pot plant back, we might as well bring it back to one of the stalwarts because um, you know, this, this seems like where the pot has finally hit the plant. And I never realised this before. Luke Brooks has never been dropped. No. Luke Brooks has never been dropped. This will be the first time he's ever been dropped in first grade, which surprised me a little bit. But, um, yeah, I've... I've gone with the great man. Well, low-hanging low fruit this week for all of us. Uh, <laughs> have you got a salute and slap, Oliver? <laughs> salute and slap. Well, oh, go to Barney first because I hadn't thought of one. No, me neither. But so, Barney, you go first. <laughs> no, I haven't thought of one either, but we'll All just right. make it we'll, up. We'll, uh, <laughs> Jerome Hughes is my salute yeah, of the week. Um, he just proves himself again and again. Um, obviously, he's the, the New Zealand halfback for a reason. Um, I can see him being the captain of this Storm team going forward for the next few years to, as well, to be honest. And uh, it, the things he does on a football field is as a halfback, I know he's transitioned from fullback, but he's just got that extra bit of thought that you can see goes into his play that a lot of other halves don't have. Um, he can play any type of football at any different time when he needs to, and he was my salute of the week. And... Um, Oh, slaps a bit of a hard one. I was, the, the Sharks and their, their fucking ball handling, they, if they do not fix this up in the next next four to five weeks, they could possibly miss the eight by the end of the year. Considering they're running fourth at the moment, they need to do something about this ball handling and the way that they're attacking at the moment. So. I'm going to slap... Uh... I'm going to salute uh, Val Holmes just because I'm not sure we have this year, and he's absolutely. absolutely red hot at the moment, fast and strong, kicking like a demon as well. Uh, just on top of it, he he's been fantastic, absolutely fantastic this year. And I will slap. I'm not even angry about anything this year, this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving up. <laughs> I don't know. I'll slap Trent Barrett because it turns out he you definitely can't coach him right all along. <laughs> there you go, Ollie. I it would have been him. a good pot plant. You just put a pot plant in front of the players. <laughs> they, would have, they would have dead set one three games. They fucking would have. So, I'm pretty uh, sure they got, well, they got one coach in them now. It's his nickname. Make a pot plant. <laughs> the, um, the team logo looks close enough to it in terms of the shape. So I'm just going to – well, not sorry. This isn't pot plant. This is slap. But anyway, it looks like a bit of a pot plant. I'm slapping the no, – Jesus, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Okay. Because the Warriors. Right. of how shit they are. And I feel like there's a chance the Titans don't win the wooden spoon now because of them and also the Tigers. But I still feel like the Warriors are the one who, ones who will take it home at the end of the day. I knew I love Stacey Jones as a player and I love him even more as a coach now. He's a beautiful man. I love him. He's running this team into the ground. It, it's not him. It's Steve. Oh, that's a bit harsh. No, it's not his fault. He's the interim coach. I get that. But thank you, Stacey Jones. Thank you, the Warriors. I want to salute you all. Um, there are people out there who actually seem to think you're going to improve tenfold going back to New Zealand. Let's see how that turns out for the team. But, um, yeah, I want to salute the Warriors because of how crap they are in terms of a slap. I want to slap the Sydney Roosters. 
because it's finally come to the point where I'm a little bit worried now. I still think they're pretty safe. They will end up making the top eight at the very least. However, I'm starting to think we're a bit cursed here, boys, because last year I think we all at least had Canberra making the grand final. I know Barney and I tipped them to win the grand final. They didn't make the top eight. I swear to God, we've all tipped the Roosters to win the comp this year in the preseason. If they don't make the top eight next year, purely as an experiment, whether I think they will or not, I'm going to tip Melbourne to win the comp to see it. And if they miss the top eight, uh, I quit to be honest, because <laughs> we are well and truly cursed. So I'm slapping the roosters back into a bit of form. Come on, Chooks, finish fifth. Somehow finish fifth. It's all I ask now. All right. You, uh, you choke that turkey there. Uh, choke that chicken there. <laughs> um, Oliver, on that note, go home. All right. Good job, boys. Uh, take care, everyone. Check out all our socials, Instagram, Footy and Frothies, YouTube, to see some of our chats live and in the flesh, some of Ollie's um, chicken choking on camera, and uh, rugby league merch for our gear. Take care, and we'll be back very soon to discuss Origin 3 and, uh, and a New Zealand test. <laughs>